0: Let's see. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Hey, happy anniversary to you and to me and to all of us involved in the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and it was exactly 11 years ago right now that the Bottom Line Show started on AM740 KBRT in Southern California with the transmitter tower still on Catalina Island. And that was it. We had exactly one radio station carrying the program, and it was exciting. I remember doing the first segment, uh, co-host Dave Householder and I were in, and we felt like we were so far over ahead, we didn't know which way was up. And at the end of the first segment, which was about six or seven minutes long, our station manager, Sarah Jackson, came sprinting into the control room and she said, guys, it sounds great, Roger, slow down. (laughs) I was pretty excited. But here we are 11 years later, And we have been able to weather a lot of storms. We've seen, well, let's see. We saw the re-election of President 44, the election of President 45, the election of President 46. We've seen storming of the White House. We've seen China scandals. We've seen war in Ukraine. There's been so many different things to look at. One of the things that has remained constant, though, of course, is God's faithfulness to us and through us. And the mission that we have here on The Bottom Line Show hasn't changed in 11 years. And that is, we get to the bottom line of the issues that are most important to you as a member of the body of Christ. And we do so through the lens of Scripture, looking at the biblical worldview, and we do it to the best of our ability. And I I, I really appreciate the number of people who have listened and commented on our program over the years. There's a nice little... Push on Getter, where we're doing social media right now. I encourage you to check that out and follow us there if you haven't followed us there before. I mean, the whole social media world has changed dramatically. I mean, the economy has changed dramatically. Remember, when we started this program, we were in the middle of a recession caused by the Great Recession and a housing market that was going nuts. And here we are today on September nineteenth, 2022, and we're not quite in a recession just yet, but with inflation so high and housing prices going up simply because not the price themselves, but the cost of housing going up. Truly remarkable. And yet one of the things that I marvel at in terms of God's faithfulness is the number of people that it takes to get this program on the air every day and how many of them are still with us. I mean, when I think back to September 19th, 2011, of course, the uh, personnel radio station changes rather rapidly. Um, It was in uh, 2012 during the election season, that we added our friends up north at KCBC. Uh, we then moved the transmitter tower from Catalina Island to the Cleveland National Forest in the Inland Empire, Southern California, and picked up an FM translator there at 100.7 in Corona. Uh, about three years after the program launched, we added uh, KBright AM 1240 in San Diego and also an FM repeater there, 103.3. It was 2017, I believe, 16 or 17, that we added our friends at KLDC, uh, AM 1220 in Denver. And we've also since added KLTT, AM 670 in Denver as well. Uh, we've had relationship with KAAM in Dallas and KKPZ in Portland. And we're now currently heard in 31 rated markets. I mean, about every year or so, we pick up a couple more places to play. And it's just, it's, it's been wonderful. It's been so so much fun and so thrilling. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to everybody who, and I consider you, our Bottom Line Show audience, the reason why we're still here, obviously. I mean, it's a commercial radio station, so uh, I don't have to state the obvious too many times, but uh, commercial advertisers buy advertising on the program here. Uh, it isn't like the half-hour teaching programs where a ministry underwrites the programming. This is good old-fashioned uh, bare-knuckles radio. And I'm so grateful that a year and a half into the program, a guy named Dennis Wilson called the station and said, I like listening to the program. I used to advertise on Rich Bueller's show. I'd like to sponsor the bottom line for a year. And then a couple of years later, Jim and Stephanie Cover came through and said, we believe in the ministry here. Um, We wanna support it. And we've had a number of organizations that have joined the ranks since then. Our friends at Preborn are coming on board today. And we're so excited about the fantastic work that they do in the pro-life community. But the reason that they're here is not just because they believe in the mission of the Bottom Line Show. They're here because you, Bottom Line Show listeners, have utilized their services before and purchased their products. And that's how the radio broadcast situation works. And so I'm grateful to you for supporting the program all these years, 11 years now and running. I mean, this is unheard of in Christendom. Uh, but then again, when you look at the Crawford Broadcasting hosts, uh, John Rush has a longer tenure at KLZ, though I think he's been doing Rush to Reason six or seven years. Neil Boron at Neil Boron Live has a couple of tours of duty with WDCX in Buffalo. And then, of course, our esteemed colleague Bob Duco has been doing the Bob Duco show, I think, since Jesus was born on WMUZ in uh, Detroit. And so it's it kind of a testament to... Obviously, it starts at the top with Mr. John Crawford Sr. saying, I want a local presence in each of our markets, uh, but we're not going to be afraid to cover national events and current events. Just do it from a biblical worldview. Uh, Make sure that you uh, take a look at America's Christian heritage and see how important it is for us to learn that. Know the truth about what America is, the American example, the American experiment, and tell the truth about it. And having had a chance to spend time with Mr. Crawford a couple of months ago when he was in town and just see the smile on his face that things are going well at, uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm taking nothing away from our KLDC audience, but uh, uh, KBRT is Mr. Crawford's favorite of the whole group. Uh, full stop. I hear about it all the time from all the other hosts. Oh, you work at k huh? Well, you're the LA station. Huh? Well, we're the ones really doing the work. It's like, nah, but you know what? <laughs> we're, we, we have this amazing Technicolor dream coat that Mr. Crawford, um gave us so metaphorically but nonetheless we are celebrating our 11th birthday today and uh, it was just kind of mind-boggling spending the weekend looking back over all the different guests we've had and uh, my next guest here on the program <laughs> in this program today uh is someone that i didn't realize we've known for a good six seven years lance izumi is the uh, senior director of research at pacific research and education at the pacific research institute he's written a couple of books on homeschooling, on charter school. The thing that I love about Lance is he's very, very encouraging. He isn't one of those people, sometimes the argument when it comes to education is, well, you know, homeschool, the only way to go, private school, the only way to go, you know, uh, public school, the only way to go. Lance is first and foremost focused on how do we get the best education for our children and grandchildren. He's written a book called Choosing Diversity, how charter schools promote diverse learning models and meet the diverse needs of parents and children. He's also written a book on homeschooling that we talked with him about last year about the idea that homeschooling can be a way for you as a parent or grandparent to uh, you know, really see rapid improvement and positive improvement in the way your students are learning. We're finding this especially in the African-American community and the uh, and the Hispanic community, The Homeschool Boom is the name of that book. We have copies of both of these books to give away today here at the Bottom Line Show, Uh, and in honor of the fact that today is our 11th anniversary, we're having the party, you get the presents. Um, Everyone wins today here on the Bottom Line Show. Uh, Everyone wins. It's really very simple. So 800-227-5278, we have copies of Lance's books, The Homeschool Boom, and also uh, the Choosing diversity, how charter schools promote diverse learning models and diverse needs. One of the things that, one of the reasons why I've asked Lance to join us on the program, because it's one of our favorite guests, but also if you are in Southern California, specifically in Orange County, tomorrow, September 20th, there's going to be an open forum at the Orange County Department of Education, my dad's old hangout, uh, right there at 200 Calmas Drive in Costa Mesa, right near the uh, John Wayne Airport. It's a charter school forum on strengthening California's charter schools at a local and state level. Uh, the Honorable Scott Baugh, who's running for the 45th district against Katie Porter for the, uh, uh, the congressional seat there, is going to be the moderator. Uh, Richard Soto is going to be on the panel, along with uh, Kevin Kiley, who's California Assemblyman, who's also running from Cong- for Congress Northern California. Uh, former California State Senator Gloria Romero who was the Senate uh, ranking Senate uh, Majority Leader in the State Senate when she was there 2005 to 2008, a passionate advocate for school choice, uh, for homeschooling, and also for charter schools. She's going to be on the panel, too. This is a three-and-a-half-hour conversation. I encourage you to go. It's free, and we've got information on how you can uh, either attend it or watch it live. There's a, a special QR code app that you can scan. We'll put this uh, picture up at the bottom line, show.com. On the other side of this break, Lance Azumi is going to join me for a conversation about charter schools, about why they are so important, and how strengthening California's charter schools at a local and state level is actually in everyone's best interest, from public to private to home to charter school options. We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, a special event is coming up tomorrow here in Southern California, specifically in Orange County, actually not too far from the k Bright Studios which is a flagship affiliate of the Bottom Line Show. And today I'm welcoming back Lance Izumi from the Pacific Research Institute. He's the senior director of PRI's Center for Education to talk about a charter school form. And maybe we can find out why it is that teachers unions and a lot of other union types don't really like charter schools, but they really do pay some huge dividends. Lance Izumi, welcome back to the Bottom Line Show.
1: Oh, it's so great to be on the bottom line with you, Roger. It's always a real pleasure to be able to have the chance to speak with you.
0: Well, let's talk about this issue, because we do have a couple of uh, uh, guys on your panel tomorrow night who are actually running for office. And we wholeheartedly endorse Kevin Kiley, Assemblyman who's uh, running for re-election, and also the Honorable Scott Baugh, who is running against uh, uh, the, in the old Mimi Walters seat up against, uh, and I can't, I, I've, I've lost her name. I don't, I don't I believe it's Katie Porter. Katie Porter, thank you. I don't know what, I think I saw some of her ads over the weekend about her saying, you know, Scott Paul wants to take away your abortion rights. And I thought, really, with all the other issues that people are dealing with right now, that's the one you're leading with. Um, how about education? Let's talk about this. Talk about this charter school forum that you are one of the panelists on that's happening tomorrow. It's gonna be the Orange County Department of Education at 200 Kalmas Drive in Costa Mesa. From six PM until nine thirty PM. Uh there's no cost to attend, but we'd love to see a lot of bottom line listeners showing up at this event. Lance, what's gonna what, what's overall what's gonna be happening at this forum tomorrow?
1: Well, we're going to have a you know a really uh, wide ranging discussion on charter schools, and as you mentioned, you know there are going to be a number of different experts who are going to be there. You point out Kevin Kiley, uh, state assemblyman, who for many years has been the vice chairman of the uh, Assembly Education Committee. He's actually now running for U.S. Congress up in the mm-hmm. Sacramento area, right. so uh, so he's going to uh, be there to talk, especially about the. Uh, inner workings of uh, education and charter schools legislation within the state legislature. And we'll have a number of other experts who will be there. I'll be there uh, to talk a lot Mm -hmm. about um, uh, the diversity of charter schools and why they give parents so many different options in terms of the type of education they want for their children. And see, that's one of the Issues I think that a lot of parents have with the regular public school system is that it's often very much a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, your child may have different learning needs or different interests that aren't met by uh, the march in lockstep type of uh, curriculum or teaching methods that are employed by the regular public schools. And the good thing about charter schools is that uh, they have the freedom to choose uh, lots of different types of curriculum, different teaching methods, uh, different styles for uh, kids that may better meet the needs of individual children. And so, therefore, giving parents this choice through charter schools will often lead to a lot better uh, outcomes for their children, whether it's academic outcomes, social outcomes, emotional outcomes. It's, uh, it ends up being a lot better fit for a lot of families by having this ability to choose a charter school, which are schools, for those of your listeners who uh, may not know, are uh, publicly funded schools, but that are independent of the school districts and therefore have a lot more flexibility and opportunity to uh, have uh, individualized type of curricula uh, that meets the needs of the kids who are their, uh, their consumers, their students.
0: Lance Azumi is with me today here on The Bottom Line, Senior Director of Pacific Research Institute's Center for Education. He will be one of the panelists at this charter school forum happening in Orange County tomorrow night, uh, September the 20th, 6 to nine thirty p.m. at the Orange County Department of Education. We've got a link for information on how you can attend up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Lance, I'm, gr- I'm glad you brought up that issue. A lot of people look at the charter school and they kind of see, the, the, well, it's like that, uh, you've probably seen the meme of two people on opposite ends of a number looking at what appears to be either the number six, if you're looking at it one way, or the number nine, if you're looking at it the other way. And the, you know the question for charter schools, a lot of times is there are people outside of the public school system who see charter schools as just another part of public school. And it's really not something that anyone should support. On the other hand, there are people in the public school system, like you mentioned, school districts and the like, that look at the charter school as the enemy because they seem to be able to maneuver outside of the, uh, the, the realms of the school district. When parents get frustrated with teachers or with principals or things of that nature because they don't like what's being taught in the classroom, oftentimes their anger is somewhat misplaced. Talk about how a charter school uh, helps a parent or a grandparent who has that responsibility for educating their kids kind of really does provide for many families the best of both worlds, public and private.
1: Well, it certainly does. You know, I think that uh, charter schools have so many different advantages. I mean, one of the advantages they have, I mean, simply is the fact that, uh, you know, if you look at the research data, uh, on average, charter school students do better uh, on the uh, academic subjects, reading mathematics, uh, than their regular public school peers. And so, therefore, uh, you know, especially given the huge nosedive in learning that's occurred because of the COVID pandemic and all of the school closures, especially in the regular public school sector, that, uh, you know, you've seen massive declines in learning in both reading and mathematics. I think, and and what you've seen because of that is you've seen a huge exit of parents and their kids from the regular public school system. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, uh, if you look at the Statistics. I believe the most recent stats show that about 2 million uh, kids have left the regular public school system wow. uh, because of the pandemic. That's a massive number. And, you mm-hmm. know, here in California, uh, there are hundreds of thousands of kids who have left uh, the public school system. In fact, on the first day of school uh, just a, a couple weeks ago, uh, 50,000 kids did not show up for the first day of school at L.A. Unified. And so what that shows is that there's a huge dissatisfaction amongst parents with the type of schooling that uh, their kids have received at the regular public schools. One of the things that uh, the research has also shown, though, is that a lot of the significant portion of the kids who have left the regular public schools have gone towards the charter school sector because, uh, you know, uh, they charter schools in many cases have been able to pivot much better to the learning environment uh, during the COVID crisis and post-COVID, and that they have been able to uh, keep up standards, keep up the learning to a much greater degree than the regular public schools. And so parents have, uh, you know, uh, some of them at least have gravitated towards the, the charter schools as opposed to the regular public schools. And so I think that that's one of the things. Also, too, historically, A lot of uh, parents have left the regular public schools because of issues involving safety. I mean, right now, one of the things you're hearing from a lot of the uh, schools is that uh, there's a lot more behavioral issues, safety issues going on on campus. And so uh, uh, parents are extremely worried about that. I mean, yes, they want their kids to do well in uh, academics, but uh, you know, if you can't guarantee that my child is going to be safe, well, I don't want my child at your school. Right. And I think that um, a lot of parents are removing their children from the regular public schools because of these increasing safety issues that you're seeing on a lot of campuses. In my book that I wrote a couple years ago called Choosing Diversity, which is about all the diverse uh, types of charter schools available uh, across the country, One of the things I saw is that a lot of people chose charter schools because of this issue of safety. In fact, I interviewed uh, some kids at one charter school and asked them, well, why did your parents decide to send you to this particular charter school? And they told me, that, uh, well, it was because of safety issues. One fourth grader was telling me that, you know, at his previous regular public school, there had been a shooting uh, involving the police and an intruder on campus, and that really traumatized him, and so he couldn't learn because of that. And so his parents put him into this charter school, and, uh, you know, the one thing he said about this school was, it made me feel safe. You know, they had a, a great safety protocol, you know, the gates were locked, all these sorts of things. And he ticked these off. And so he was obviously paying really close attention because he was worried about, you know, how, um, you know, he was his own safety. And so, therefore, before you can learn, you've got to feel safe. And that child uh, felt safe so he now could learn. And I think that's what you're seeing with a, a lot of these kids uh, now because of these uh, behavioral issues and safety issues going on at the regular public schools.
0: Lance Izumi is with me today from Pacific Research Institute. I'm Roger Marsh, and we're talking about a special charter school forum, Strengthening California's Charter Schools at a Local and State Level. It's happening tomorrow night, Tuesday, September 20th, at from 6 to 9, 30 p.m. at the Orange County Department of Education, 200 Calmus Drive in Costa Mesa. We'll have information about how you can attend up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Lance is the author of a number of books on homeschooling and charter schooling, the book he just mentioned, Choosing Diversity, How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children. We have a link for that book up at TheBottomLineShow.com as well. More of a conversation with Lance Izumi in just a moment as The Bottom Line
2: continues. Right after you get into an accident, you need to call Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to begin the process of healing. Too many people make the wrong choice and try to handle their case on their own. Don't be gullible. Your insurance company does not have your best interests in mind. Their job is to save money, not help you recover. Stephanie's priority is you. She will help you recover wholly, mind, body, and spirit, as well as get you the settlement you deserve. Begin your recovery by contacting Stephanie first and follow her instructions to streamline your healing process. Stephanie has over 25 years of experience and knows how to get you healed and restored. Although your friends and family may have good intentions, they are not personal injury attorneys, and therefore they do not know the best way to help you. Stephanie Cover does, and she will help you put the pieces back together financially, physically, and spiritually. You need to write down her number now: eight seven seven two one four four nine three five, or go to kbrightradio.com/slash/coverlaw. Your healing begins with Cover Law.
0: Stephanie Cover has been a longtime partner of the Bottom Line Show, and today as we celebrate our 11th anniversary, I can still honestly and proudly say she's the only personal injury attorney I've ever recommended. Contact her when you go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law, or make sure you have her number in your contacts, 877-214-4935. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, the 11th anniversary edition of the Bottom Line program, and we're sharing a conversation with Lance Izumi, uh, the senior director of research pacific research institute's uh, center for education Um, he is one of the six panelists who will be on uh, the call tomorrow at the charter school forum strengthening california's charter schools at a local and state level we've got a link for information on how you can watch from wherever you are but i'm especially encouraging bottom line show listeners parents and grandparents alike to go to the orange county department of education building at 200 calmas drive in costa mesa just a couple of whiskers south of the uh, John Wayne Airport. And you'll see Lance Izumi is one of the panelists, along with Walter Myers, Richard Soto, former California State Senator Gloria Romero, who was the leader of the Democrat Party at one point in the Assembly and the state, is now a huge uh, education reform advocate. And then, of course, California Assemblyman Kevin Kiley from NorCal, who's running for Congress. Uh, California, uh, the Honorable Scott Baugh, who is going to be moderating this uh, uh, this forum group, this panel, is also running for Congress as well. And you would be wise to cast your vote for Kevin, Kyle, and Scott, Bond But that's not the reason why they're there. They're here to talk about education, specifically charter schools. And oftentimes, even here on the bottom line, we talk about there are three options for school. It's public, private, or parochial. Uh, and then also there's homeschool, personal, if you will. Well, there is a fourth option because the private school, parochial school kind of falls in the same category, and that is the charter school. Kind of gives you the best of a private school experience, but also uh, it's at the not additional cost that you pay uh, to go to a local public school. And charter schools have kind of been the ugly stepchild in the public school world for years. But as Lance has written, Lance Izumi has written in a couple of books, including his book, Choosing Diversity, How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children, and also his book on homeschooling, Uh, the homeschool boom uh, that was a result of what's happened in public schools because of the pandemic, as more and more people are realizing that that distance learning, that Zoom learning, if you will, that happened during the pandemic actually cost students dearly. And now it's it's almost as if, I'm not going to put this as a full-blown conspiracy, but it's almost as if... Government officials knew either they were so naive to they go, oh, yeah, we'll just put them on Zoom. They can study from home, it'll be fine. They won't lose a thing. Or they knew, yeah, if we put this plan in place, it's gonna literally hold them back a year and we'll still get paid. And that's, that's not fair to teachers. It was certainly not fair to teachers and administrators, but you have to wonder who's behind it. Well, now with 2 million fewer students in public schools across the country and somewhere around four to 500,000 fewer students attending and pairing in the People's Republic of California, public schools need to do something to try to woo and win families back, and beefing up their charter schools might possibly help. Lance Izumi has written from Pacific Research Institute, has written a book called Choosing Diversity, How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children. There's a link for that book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. He's also the author of the book called The Homeschool Boom, and there's a chapter in there on charter schools as well. We've got a couple copies of these books to give away right now. And it's an Everyone Wednesday because it's our anniversary. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 gets you through to the Bottom Line Show. We've got a couple of copies each of Lance Azumi's books on the homeschool boom, and also choosing diversity about charter schools. If you're a grandparent whose kids are being impacted by what's happening in public schools because of the pandemic, you're concerned about their education, maybe you're homeschooling right now, and you'd like to see if there's a way you could partner with a charter school to get a better education for your kids, I highly recommend either or both of these books. Choosing Diversity, How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children, and also The Homeschool Boom, Pandemic Policies and Possibilities, both by my guest today here on the bottom line, Lance Azumi. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. More of my conversation with Lance on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Lance Azumbi is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking about an opportunity for you as a parent, a grandparent, as a concerned citizen who's looking at the public school situation where you are, anywhere here in California or Colorado, people who are listening to us right now online. Uh, Lance is Senior Director of Pacific Research Institute's Center for Education. He'll be a panelist right here in the OC tomorrow night, September 20th, at the Orange County Department of Education, they've set aside about three and a half hours for a conversation about charter schools and how to strengthen California's charter schools at a local and state level. Um, Lance, you've written a couple of books on this topic. One we were discussing before the break, uh, called "Choosing Diversity: How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children," which is an outstanding book about why you know making the case for charter schools. But you also wrote a book last year we had a conversation about, about homeschooling and the fact that during the pandemic, as we talked about before, a couple million fewer students in public schools, a lot of parents are either choosing a private school, a charter school, or a homeschool option. And I know in that book, The Homeschool Boom, Pandemic Policies and Possibilities, Why Parents Are Choosing to Homeschool Their Children. We've got that link at the BottomLineShow.com as well. I know you have a section in that book. On the connection between homeschooling and charter school, and kind of give us an overview, if you would, about what that's all about.
1: Well, thanks, Roger. Yes, it's yes, absolutely right. I mean, I think a lot of people uh, don't realize that uh, it's not necessary an either-or. That you either choose a charter school, for example, if you don't want to go to a regular public school, or you choose homeschooling. Well, actually, you can have the best of both possible worlds. In many cases, uh, you can choose a homeschool charter school. And there are really two types of those homeschool charter schools. The first type of uh, homeschool charter school is really where uh, you have a a regular brick and mortar type of facility uh, that is a charter school, but uh, homeschools can enroll their kids in this charter school. They can take, uh, the kids can take Uh, different types of courses, enrichment classes, uh, you know, whether it's uh, art or dance or even uh, some types of advanced classes or uh, really uh, special interest types of classes, and, uh, you know, be taught at that brick-and-mortar facility for maybe a couple days a week. But then the rest of the week, the family gets to homeschool their child at home, you know, as one would, think that homeschoolers would and but one of the things that those homeschoolers also have access to through the charter school is not just these classes but also a lot of these charter schools will have uh, on hand an entire library of different types of curricula that the parents can choose from and so Uh, instead of having to make a search uh, on the internet or something like that to figure out, you know, what type of curriculum am I going to use for my child as I'm teaching my child at home, they can uh, look at all the different types of curricula that is in stock at the charter school. So that's one type of charter homeschool. There's another type called a non-classroom-based charter school. And what that is is that uh, you homeschool your child, uh, you know, just uh, like you would Uh, If you were uh, an independent homeschooler, you do enroll your child as a charter school student, but... What you do is, what you get is a a credential teacher who will be basically your advisor. So if you have questions about uh, how to teach your child uh, this or that, uh, or in this subject or that subject, or if you have other types of uh, learning questions about your child, you can then uh, have regular meetings with this uh, teacher who will then advise you. I mean, you don't have to listen to that person, but they will be there always as a support mechanism for you as a homeschooler who is uh, teaching their child at home. And so uh, you you get that opportunity uh, through that uh, charter school to access not only that teacher, but also, too, you get a certain amount of funding through the that homeschool charter school uh, that will allow you to then uh, spend that money for various types of uh, services, whether it's, let's say, perhaps you might want to hire a private tutor uh, because your child needs Uh, special help in certain subjects, let's say math or some other subject, or else, you know, there may be other types of services or classes that you want your child to uh, engage in, maybe like arts or music. You can then uh, use that money to pay for uh, uh, those types of specialized courses. So you get a wide-ranging opportunity to use uh, these resources provided by the charter schools to get uh, those types of tools that will help your child learn, and in a very individualized and personalized way. And again, it's not this one-size-fits-all. It's uh, about making sure that what your child needs is addressed through the funding decisions that the parent makes about how to use that money that is provided through the charter
3: school.
0: That's great information from Lance Izumi, the senior director of research of Pacific Research Institute's uh, education department and author of a number of books. We've had him as a regular guest here on the Bottom Line Show. I mean, today's our 11th anniversary of the Bottom Line Show, Lance, and I realized that we've been talking to you for more than half the time that we've been on the air here. So we've always benefited from your tremendous examples. So glad that Lance is going to be in Orange County tomorrow in Costa Mesa as part of a charter school forum. Strengthening California's Charter Schools at a Local and State Level. We've got a link for that information up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Scott Baugh is going to be moderating the forum. Uh, California Assemblyman Kevin Kiley, who's now running for Congress, is going to be one of the panelists. And another one of the panelists, you know, I I mentioned a couple of guys who have good conservative Republican stripes, as it were. Uh, But help us uh, take a look at this from the nonpartisan point of view, Lance Sumi, because I know you don't get in there to be political. You're, you're all about pro-education. And one of the panelists is Gloria Romero, former state senator. She was a former member of the California State Assembly. Uh, at one point was the Democratic majority leader of the California State Senate for about four years in the uh, mid-aughts, as they say. She's going to be on the panel as well. Talk about what, what she brings to the table as an education reformer.
1: No, I think that's an important point to bring up, Roger. Uh, it's it, in this issue of charter schools and school choice more broadly, but uh, specifically charter schools is not a partisan issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's not a Democrat issue. It, uh, you see support for charter schools that goes across the board. In fact, recently uh, there was a uh, polling data that came out that like 84 percent of Americans said that charter schools should be available for people who. Uh, wanted to use those for their children. And that means, of course, that you have tons of Republicans, tons of Democrats, who support the concept of charter schools. And Gloria Romero, uh, as you pointed out, who had been the majority leader for the Democrats in the state Senate uh, for a number of years, she represents that type of bipartisanship, uh, that type of bipartisan support for charter schools, uh, not just in California but across the country. And so Gloria has been a big advocate for charter schools. She's been involved in a number of different types of charter schools uh, since her uh, days in the state senate and the legislature. And so she's going to be bringing uh, a real, uh, I think, uh, compelling perspective to this issue of charter schools to underscore the fact that uh, this is not a partisan or even ideological issue. This is about... Giving uh, parents the opportunity to uh, choose the best education for their children, and it doesn't matter you know where you live in this state you know and uh, you know where who what you're registered as in terms of political party it's all about the children and so that's why you see on an issue like charter schools you see people working across the aisle together to make that option available to parents and I think it's really one of the um, best things we see in um, you know our uh, current day politics, where you have so much divisiveness uh, in so, on so many issues, yet in this area of giving parents uh, a choice and the opportunity for their kids to really excel and do well, you see that type of cooperation between Democrats and Republicans and independents.
0: I think that's wonderful to see. And Lance Izumi, I'm encouraging bottom line listeners, uh, if you're anywhere within driving distance of Costa Mesa tomorrow night, Uh, Tuesday, September the 20th. And for either from our KCBC audience, if you're in Central Valley, if you're in NorCal, there are planes. I mean, literally, this is right down the street from John Wayne Airport. I think it'd be worth getting on the plane, flying in and getting out to take it, go to SNA and make the drive down there 6 to 9.30 p.m., Scott Baugh is moderating, Gloria Romero's on the panel, along with Kevin Kiley, and of course, the esteemed Lance Azumi. Lance, we've got 60 seconds left in our conversation time here. Uh, we've got a lot of grandparents who listen to the program right now who are probably used to seeing what happens at school board meetings and things like that, where more and more parents and grandparents are speaking up for the benefit of kids. Tomorrow night is not one of those. We're not here to debate books and things like that. It's all to talk about the value of charter schools in the state of California, give it encouragement to parents, and especially grandparents, who might be thinking, you know, my kids are going to be impacted by this, my grandkids are going to be impacted by this, why should I attend this forum event tomorrow night?
1: Well, I think it's really important for grandparents, parents, uh, you know, any concerned family member to uh, get up to speed on charter schools because really in California, at least at this point, the uh, outside of homeschooling, The real uh, option in terms of uh, parental choice is charter schools. Uh, Other states have much uh, more wide uh, ranging types of school choice programs, but in California it's really charter schools. So if you are uh, unhappy with what's going on in the regular public school that your child or your grandchild is attending, then really you need to get informed about the charter school sector here in California. There are 1,300 or so charter schools in California that enroll about 675,000 kids. Well, you know, uh, th- that's a huge number. And why are so many parents opting for that option? And what uh, kinds of benefits do they uh, potentially offer for your child or grandchild? And I think that tomorrow's forum will really um, help fill that knowledge gap for a lot of people.
0: Well, I- I'm looking forward to it. And I know that a lot of our bottom line listeners will be there to support you. And please make sure you say hi to Lance Izumi. You will are you going to be wearing maybe a Stockton Ports jersey or a cap or something like that, Lance? How, how how will our listeners know it's you besides your effervescent smile and omnipresent bow tie?
1: Oh, well, you know, see, that's what I usually tell folks. You know, if they don't know what I look like, but just look for the Japanese guy with the bow tie. <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, we've got a link for this charter school forum event up at TheBottomLineShow.com, along with other information about Lance's these books. The Homeschool Boom, Pandemic Policies and Possibilities, Why Parents Are Choosing to Homeschool Their Kids, and also Choosing Diversity, How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children. Both books are linked up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Lance Izumi, always a pleasure. Have a great time tomorrow night fighting the good fight from all of us here at The Bottom Line. Thanks for your time today.
1: Thanks so much, Roger. It's always an honor to be on the show, to be able to talk with you and to uh, speak to your listeners.
0: Well, we love having you, Lance. You've got some great information, and we've enjoyed over the past 11 years getting to know you, actually, the past six or seven. Two books that we're giving away right now, both by Lance Izumi of the Pacific Research Institute. He's the senior editor for their education department. Uh, the one book, Choosing Diversity, How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And also, The Home School Boom. Pandemic Policies and Possibilities, Why Parents Are Choosing to Homeschool Their Children. There's an outstanding chapter in that book on charter schools as well. And we're giving away copies of these book. Got a couple copies of each one. So lots of winners today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I point out, as I did at the start of the program, today is our 11th anniversary of doing the bottom line show. And so everyone wins something. So if you want to win one of Lance books, you can call Teresa and ask for that. Or if you just want to win something else, I mean, by the time we get through those calls, uh, you may call in after we've given away both copies of each of those books. And if that's the case, then uh, you'll win something else. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to take a look, do an analysis, balance, and clarity segment on the immigration issue and why I believe the bottom line show helps each of us, present company included, uh, do a better job of looking at the issues uh, that are facing us right now through the lens of scripture with regard to why there's been such a hubbub furor over the fact that illegal immigrants, people who've crashed the border and come here illegally, are now somehow flooding areas like Martha's Vineyards and a place like that. And you have to ask the question, well, why is the left so upset about this when it seems like they have selective amnesia with regard to this policy in the first place? It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits, addressing your risk tolerance with professional
3: advisory knowledge. You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care, and if you need one or both, you both have it? That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits, with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our client's money in the 40 account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you
0: call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. My thanks again to Lance Izumi, the Senior Director of Educational Research at Pacific Research Institute, Uh, for giving us a wide open conversation about the benefits of charter schools, how they can be used in terms of helping families that are homeschooling. I know we have a lot of bottom line show listeners who are grandparents who are actively involved in the the homeschooling process for their grandkids. And that's why I recommend these books so highly. There's an event happening tomorrow in Orange County. And I I mentioned the in-person attendance at the Orange County Department of Education at 200 Calbus Drive in Costa Mesa, the charter school forum, strengthening California's charter schools at a local and state level. But there's a, a, an invite that I pulled off of social media that actually has those little QR barcodes to where you can actually scan that and then pull up the live feed. And you can watch it at six o'clock Pacific time tomorrow. So anyone in anywhere, in our bottom line to listing audience here in the state of California, dare I say the People's Republic of California can watch this. We're giving away two of Lance Izumi's books, uh, Choosing Diversity, How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children. And also a book we profiled here on the program last year called The Homeschool Boom, Pandemic Policies and Possibilities, Why Parents Are Choosing to Homeschool Their Children. Two million kids have left public schools over the past year. Uh, there were 50,000, quote-unquote, absentees in L.A. Unified alone on opening day of school this year. Matter of fact, the Department of Education started sending their officials door-to-door to these homes all throughout L.A. County, finding out where the students were. I'll tell you where they are. They're home, being homeschooled. They're going to private schools. They're seeking out charter schools. They're tired of the political gamesmanship of public schools, simply put. California used to have 6.2 million students in public schools. That number's down to 5.8. So of the 2 million students that have left public schools during the pandemic, 20% of that total came from the People's Republic of California. Uh, people are voting with their feet, as Carl Karcher used to say, and I think it's a good thing. Not, this is not a stick at the public schools. It's to say, look, as a parent or a grandparent, if you are the primary responsible party for the education of your kids or grandkids, You do what's best for you, first and foremost. If it's a Christian school, go Christian school. If it's a private school, go private. If it's public, go public. If it's charter, go charter. If it's homeschooling, go homeschooling. But do what is best for the child that you have been entrusted to raise. Full stop. If money's an issue, find out. Like Lance was talking about, you can homeschool with a side order of charter school, and there may be some funding for you to be able to do that from home. Uh, we've had a couple of employees at the Bottom Line Show flagship station here at KBRT who have benefited from doing homeschool using public school curriculum that they didn't have to pay for. But they could take the basics of the public school curriculum, add to it a side order of biblical worldview, and their kids are turning out great. 800-227-5278. Everyone wins today because it is the 11th anniversary of the Bottom Line Show. Uh, two copies each to give away of Lance Azumi's books, Choosing Diversity, How Charter Schools Promote Diverse Learning Models and Meet the Diverse Needs of Parents and Children, and also The Homeschool Boom, Pandemic Policies and Possibilities, Why Parents Are Choosing to Homeschool Their Children, both by my guest today, Lance Izumi, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. And the Charter School Forum gets underway tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. At the Orange County Department of Education at 200 Calmas Drive, you can scan that code to watch it online for free at thebottomlineshow.com. You know the the title of his book regarding uh, charter schools. Remember the whole diversity thing. We're seeing this now. This is a big deal in corporate America: diversity, uh, equity, inclusivity. Remember, we saw the Vice President of the United States on her campaign back in 2020. Talk about, uh, you know, having a guaranteed quality of equity and outcomes. Remember how she did that, that voiceover for that commercial? <laughs> Remember John F. Kennedy said this is all about equal opportunity for people? And Kamala Harris, 60 years later, says it's all about guaranteed outcomes. That's called communism. It starts with socialism. It just, uh, you know, But this is where leftists are. I want it to feel right. I want my intentions to be good. I don't, don't. Don't ask me about my motives, my intentions. That's what it's all about. I never intended for people to get hurt by the tax increases. I never intended for. We don't want a border wall. We want open borders. Everybody should be able to come here. Re- remember the mantra. That came from a couple of years ago, I believe. This came. Uh, this was a sign that was a yard sign during the 2020 election. And, of course, 2020 was a hotly contested year because of all the racial tensions, George Floyd, et cetera, et cetera. And there were a lot of people on the left who posted this following sign. Kind of a a creed, if you will. This is what we believe in this household. We believe, next line, black lives matter. Next line, love is love. Next line, women's rights are human rights. And no human is illegal. Remember that? the mantra of the left, black lives matter. Of course they do. All lives matter. But if you say all lives matter, people go, now, wait a minute, we're focusing on black. Okay, I get it. I totally understand. All lives matter. And for 246 years in the United States, many people have wondered if that really does matter because they were black. And they said, hey, wait, my family didn't get that. My family wasn't free on July 4th. I hear Lee Greenwood singing You know, God bless the USA, and I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I'm saying, hey, wait a minute. For 150 years, my family didn't know I was free. So, I mean, I I get that. And when you look at the BLM organization and, and the $10 million that just got stolen basically by the founder, you begin to wonder they come out with a great sentiment, they do a lot of fundraising, but then nothing changes. Remember, love is love. That's the left's way of saying, hey, we support gay marriage and non-binary, transgender, whatever, and love is love. So you can't argue it because it's all about love. Well, we as Christians look at the biblical definition of love and we see four different definitions in the Greek. We see agape, we see Philadelphia, we see sorge, we see eros, and and we understand. We can define all those different categories. So love is love is not a definition. Women's rights are human rights, the sign says. Well, sure. Okay. Thank you, non sequitur. We appreciate the straw man argument. Once again, women's rights are, well, but women are being denied their rights. And so they're, yeah. Okay. Anyone been to Saudi Arabia recently? Iran, Iraq. Have you seen the mass demonstrations of what women are doing there in the Middle East? Cutting their hair and burning their hijabs? Because of the mistreatment of women. Do you realize how disrespectful that is to the men who want to put Lord that over them? But you know what they're saying? We don't care. We don't care. You expect us to have our head covered with the hijab and our hair nice and long and whatever. We will burn the hijab. We will cut our hair. Now what are you going to do? The women's rights, human rights issue in the U.S. Hmm. But then there's the whole no human is illegal. Which is fascinating. We don't want borders and you shouldn't be. Why you want to build the wall? We don't understand, they say, from their homes in Martha's Vineyard in Chicago, in New York City, in Washington, D.C. And then 50 people get flown by a private jet from Florida to Martha's Vineyard. And all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose, right? Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? All the humanity. Gail King, CBS This Morning News. This is inhumane. This is immoral. They're ripping these people away from their families, and they're tra- traversing them all over the country to, to what? Gavin Newsom, the emperor of the People's Republic of California, wants to see Ron DeSantis brought up on trafficking charges, on kidnapping charges. But do they have a point? On the other side of this break, I want to take a look at a uh, a breakdown of some of the charges that they're making, and ask the question as Christians. Can we really support what these governors of these gop states are actually doing it's coming up next as the bottom line continues welcome back to the bottom line show i'm roger marsh 800-227-5278 if you have interest in either of lance's Zoomy's books uh the homeschooling boom or choosing diversity How charter schools promote diversity learn diverse learning models and meet the diverse needs of parents and children uh give us a call at 800-227-5278 I mentioned before the break that the uh, the interesting dilemma of moving illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard has really caught uh, people in the media, especially on the left, by surprise. Caught them off guard. Why is it that 50 migrants who spent a couple days at Martha's Vineyards getting far more coverage than, remember that uh, tractor trailer came across the border last month and it was packed full of illegal immigrants? There were Fifty one of them, I believe, who lost their lives. And all you got to the left was a collective yawn. But now you've got Mayor Muriel Bowser in Washington, D.C. saying, oh, this is, we're not set up for this. The, home, the gal who was in charge, the woman, was in charge of homeless activism on Martha's Vineyard. A community of about 17,000 people said, 50 people? We're, we're, we're not prepared to handle that. Ma'am, what are you prepared for? You're the one who says, well, here come the homeless, and I'm here, and we're taking federal resources, and we're creating a little shelter, and we have galas and benefits and cocktail parties and raise a lot of money. But then when the actual immigrants show up, you're like, well, we can't handle this. Chuck Todd, NBC News, calling it morally reprehensible. It's inhumane because Martha's Vineyard, quote, is literally an island that has no infrastructure. The same island that can't has no infrastructure and can't handle 50 migrants, and that's a humanitarian crisis, somehow is able to host 150,000 tourists every summer. You don't think that there's a rental or a hotel that could house those people? On the other side of this break, I want to walk through a piece. David Harsani has written this for the Federalist that says, I have a few questions about Martha's Vineyard. And I think they make an excellent point as to how we can do a better job of understanding these things, not being dispassionate to people who are trying to come across and look for a better life, but maybe just maybe why people on the left don't always have the best ideas because they're just so inconsistent. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth
3: that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have $75,000 to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house. Had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, How much? I said, Well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, Zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800 696
0: 9970. 800 696 9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It is at our 11th anniversary today. And uh, coming up this half hour, uh, thank you, first of all, for everyone who's listened to the program. Thank you for everyone who's been with the program for as long as they have. I'll give you a full and complete rundown of uh, uh, the thank yous at the end of the broadcast. But coming up in the next segment, our uh, first while erudite and uh, lovable producer, Tamara Cromido. I can't even see her name yet is going to join me, and you're going to get a chance to hear me talk to Tamara and have her share with you kind of her reflections of what's been happening over the past seven and a half years that she's been producing the bottom line of our 11 years on the air. So if you want to hear Tamara, you can not only hear her, but you'll be able to to see her on myhopenow.com as well. David Harsanyi of The Federalists wrote a piece over the weekend called I Have a Few Questions About the Martha's Vineyard Migrant Kerfuffle. And I want to share it with you because if you know the story, immigrants are coming into the United States in record numbers. Many, of, most of them legal, but many of them illegally. There's over a million plus people that come in from Mexico and Central and South America every year legally. That's not the issue. The issue is the couple hundred thousand that come in illegally. They get all the headlines, and the left has kind of a love-hate relationship with them. The left loves the the votes that they bring with them if we give them all sorts of free stuff. Uh, Victor Davis Hansen has called citizenship into question as a result of their being here. And then the right lives them, quite frankly, because they're cheap labor. So, I mean, there's a no-win situation here unless somebody wants to admit what the real problem is. But here's what David Harsanyi writes in The Federalist that I think is fair with regard to the way the left is handling this. He writes, a person can make a compelling case that dropping unsuspecting migrants off in places like Chicago or San Francisco is cruel. Because those are tough towns. But Martha's Vineyard, isn't it more humane to send migrants to well-heeled communities than to allow them to live in, quote-unquote, squalor in makeshift tent cities under highway overpasses? Because I rarely hear the left worry about the latter. And if you've ever driven past those places, you've probably wondered, why don't more politicians care about those folks? David continues, then again, why has a story about 50 migrants spending a couple of days on Martha's Vineyard garnered far more coverage and outrage from the media and left punditry than 51 migrants being literally cooked alive in a tractor trailer only last month. Why is it barely news that officials dumped a thousand migrants into the streets of El Paso to fend for themselves the very same day 50 people arrived in beautiful Martha's Vineyard? Is it inhumane, or is it humane rather, that some Texas cities see 200,000 newcomers every month? Or that places like Del Rio, Texas, with a population of 35,000, is forced to house nearly 50,000 newcomers in squalid conditions when pristine sanctuary cities are asked to do nothing. The White House says that Ron DeSantis is using these, quote, tactics we see from smugglers in places like Mexico and Guatemala. If the governor of Florida is guilty of, quote unquote, human trafficking for flying 50 migrants to one of the wealthiest communities in the US, what do we call the Biden administration's policy of sending 70 secret chartered planes of migrants to Florida in the middle of the night? NBC's Chuck Todd claims that sending migrants to Martha's Vineyard, quote, is inhumane because it's a literal island that doesn't have any infrastructure. If the island can't handle an influx of, oh, 50 migrants, a humanitarian crisis, says the community, how on earth are they still able to host 150,000 tourists every summer without that same necessary infrastructure? I'll scratch that. How is it able to host the thousands of tourists who continue to visit the island in the fall? There are numerous rentals and hotels in operation right now that could easily host 50 people if wealthy cocooned left-wing voters support anarchy at the border don't they have a moral and societal obligation to also take on the burden burden of helping integrate care and guide those newcomers we're in this together after all should municipalities that virtue signal with declarations of quote-unquote sanctuary cities be prepared to live up to that designation and if people of Martha's Vineyard are welcoming, generous, salt-of-the-earth types, why is it, quote-unquote, cruel to send them immigrants? How many of these migrants are going to end up settling down on the island? If they, unlike nefarious Republicans are true Christians, for hosting 50 people for nearly two whole days, what does that make the citizens of Texas, border towns, or the people of Arizona, New Mexico, or Florida, who house housing hundreds of thousands of amnesty seekers and illegal immigrants? Yes, David Harsani writes, I'm begging those questions. Be curious to get your take on this. If you have a comment, you can write to us at thebottomlineshow.com. But one of the parts of the program that I love here and have loved for the past 11 years and continue to enjoy is something we call Analysis, Balance, and Clarity where we take an analysis of the issue. And this article is, really speaks to me because of all the hyperlinks in it, that gives you opportunity to read different articles and different viewpoints, they're all housed on one page. And then you get the balance, you get a chance to see this from the left down the right, and then get some clarity on the issue. What is the deal here? Why is it that so many people will virtue signal? I mean, it, may I be so bold as to recommend to you a couple of other articles, not the least of which has something to do with the current White House. That 70 chartered planes issue? Absolutely. That's happening. As a matter of fact, NBC News reported that about two weeks after Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, indicated that he would be busing the illegal immigrants to these uh, well-heeled Democratic cities, President Biden announced he going to do the same thing. And quite frankly, a lot of those people are going to L.A. in the People's Republic of California. Now, California Governor... Gavin Newsom accuses Ron DeSantis and Greg Greg Abbott of kidnapping. He's even called their transporting of illegal immigrants morally reprehensible. Well, he might be surprised to find out about the big city mayor who ran a program years ago called Homeward Bound. And no, this is not the movie with Michael J. Fox and Sally Field and Don Amici. Homeward Bound was a program where people who were homeless were rounded up, put on buses and bussed basically anywhere out of town of this major city. They got a one-way Greyhound bus ticket out basically to wherever was home for them. The mayor of the city said, remember the vast majority of people who are on our sidewalks are not from our city. They all have some contact somewhere else, a godparent, a mother, brother, sister, uncle, son, daughter. And those are the people that could help turn their lives around. And so this big city mayor launched this program called Homeward Bound, basically to collect all the homeless people on the streets of his city, put them on buses, and get them the heck out of town. The city was San Francisco, California the mayor of san francisco california back in that time in 2006 was gavin newsom the same gavin newsom who says that it's morally reprehensible for ron DeSantis to take 50 immigrants from florida who came here illegally put them in planes and fly them to martha's vineyard is the same guy who had a plan to pick up homeless people and say we're going to send them home Mr. Mayor then, now Mr. Governor, where exactly is home? Do you suppose maybe for just a split second that the people who are living on the streets of San Francisco, who are doing drugs on the streets of San Francisco, who are defecating on the streets of San Francisco and have made, quote unquote, the city uninhabitable, don't have a connection with the people to which you want to send them to? As a matter of fact, In 2019, HBO has a program called Axios on HBO, and he was pressed about this whole program. And he said, well, no, no, no. I mean, it it was really very basic for us. You have to understand the majority of the people who benefited from Homeward Bound came from Texas. Now, basically, if you look at San Francisco's figures between 2004 and 2018, approximately 20% of Homeward Bound trips took place inside of California. The other 80% took the homeless people outside of California, and Texas accounted for 6% of those trips. This past June, Homeward Bound ended as a standalone program. It's now part of California's Access Points program, sponsored by the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, and run by now Governor Gavin Newsom. So the same guy who wants to tell Ron DeSantis it's un-American for him to send these people to different cities has a plan in place for California's homeless to send them to different cities. Analysis, balance and clarity will help serve you well. It's helped serve me well and it has for us for the past 11 years. Today here on The Bottom Line, we're looking back at our 11 year journey and as we continue. Our producer Tamara Quimito is gonna join me and we're gonna, you're gonna get a chance to hear her maybe for the first time on the radio. Talk about why uh, The Bottom Line show is so important to her, so important to y'all. And uh, what we can expect in the next 11 years. That's coming up next is the bottom.
4: Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender.
0: You have a lot of options as a homeowner, especially if you're considering a reverse mortgage. This is a chance for you to leave a legacy for your kids and grandkids, but also to live a legacy right now to benefit them even more closely. Contact Cliff at uh, Newport Bay Mortgage today. Go to kbrightradio.com forward slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com forward slash reverse. Well, this is a special segment of the Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here, and you see the young lady. I know she's a mom; she's married, but I so young lady uh, on the other side of the screen here. If you're watching on myhopenow.com, this is your first opportunity, I think, to see our longtime Bottom Line Show producer Tamra Camiro on or Camiro, excuse me, on the on the board. Uh, Tamra, welcome to the Bottom Line.
5: Yay! I'm excited. This Finally, on of,
0: the other end. <laughs> right, it seems kind of strange. I did. I should offer this caveat: when you and Javier were dating, I think I had both of you on for a segment uh, mm-hmm. when we first started. And the producers of the Bottom Line. Bottom Line debuted 11 years ago today, September 19th, 2011. Now we're at September 19th, 2022. And uh, our first Tim Mott was our first producer. Produced the show for almost a year. Then he moved to Houston. Then Francis Carrillo came in, and she produced the program for about a year. And then we got this guy from Fullerton College, I think Rob Newton, uh, who came in for a couple of years. Was he from Fullerton College? Or, I don't remember where Rob I was think from. he
5: was. Well, he got me from Fullerton College. So I yeah. thought that he was too.
0: Yeah, I don't remember where we got him from. But anyway, we got, had Rob <laughs> for a couple of years. And now he's in Iowa doing stuff and worked at Michael Lance's ministry. And then right around, was it May of 2015? Yes. It's When uh, Tamra came our yes. way from Fullerton College. And she came bouncing in. And the first couple of months you worked here, we were all so casual and friendly. I don't even know your last name was. And we uh, were just, you know, it was kind of fun, but now, of course, if you're watching on myhopenow.com, you can see Tamara's name's up there on the screen. Uh, so, basically, for the 11 years that the Bottom Line Show has been on the air, for the past seven, almost seven and a half years, Tamra's been producing the show. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't, I don't want to ask you questions like, "What's your favorite part of doing it?" But, <laughs> but I guess the first question is, "Why are you still here?" I mean, and I mean this sincerely. <laughs> (laughs) Because this is, you see how our other producers were, they just kind of kept moving. And you kind of moved in and made it your own and got married and had a couple of kids and and you're still producing. So I'm assuming that there must be something about the program that keeps you here.
5: Well, first of all, it's the people. When I was in California, not in Georgia, just stepping into k Bright, it was just the best feeling. Everybody was so friendly. And then meeting Dennis Wilson and Chewy, on the first day of course and then (laughs) and then of course meeting you as well it was just um it felt like a family and then the show turned into a family and the listeners turned into a family and then I made friends with the listeners and it was I guess my favorite thing about the bottom line show is the family I created
1: yeah
0: yeah
5: it's, it's an amazing feeling every day
0: it is. It's wonderful. I know that the listeners that we've had, so many longtime listeners of the show who have called in over the past, even past couple of years, especially during the pandemic, we started to hear from more people because they didn't have as many outlets to get out and be around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love looking at the call reports. Tambra, the calls come through to Teresa and to Joel and to Todd, and then Tamara compiles them and sends out a list to us each and every week. And I love the comments, especially the people who say, yeah, I've been listening since, the, since day one. But this mm-hmm. is the first time I ever called in, and I, I we have a lot of folks who just you know that that's kind of the way yeah. it is. But uh, but it is it is nice. It's a great family relationship. And please understand too, every time you hear a guest on the Bottom Line show with me, it's because Tamara went out and found that person, and that <laughs> that takes a lot yeah. of time. Now sometimes I'll send a note saying, oh we should get that person or you know him or her or whatever it is." I I do pull that on her on occasion, um, but for the most part. That's part, I mean, that's a huge part of your job is securing the guests and making sure all those details behind the scenes uh, Mm -hmm. get get, uh, put together. Uh, Talk about the, help our listeners understand how much time goes into that.
5: Let me start by saying the guest booking is probably my most favorite, Shanti Phil Han, and so much fun. Um, The process is getting the, the releases from our amazing publicists that we work with. And then, of course, I make a potential guest list. At the same time, it's it, it puts a little flair of me in it because I like to be able to say, hey, you know, um, from a mom's perspective, how about this guest? Or, you know, my kids love <laughs> Alexa Vega. <Penovega> that's <laughs> uh, yes, a good that's example. True. That's true. And um, she had a great but, time
0: on the show. I mean, great. We've, had, we've had so many guests who uh, that were, you know, sometimes it's me saying, we need this person on the program. And sometimes it's Tamara saying, hey, what would you think about? And Mm -hmm. we kind of lock heads. People, one of the comments that I see, Tamara, in the uh, the cue sheets that you give us each and every week about the number of people who are on the the bottom line show is people love the variety. And I'm so proud of the fact that when you look at other Christian radio programs here in the markets that we're in, um, oftentimes they have a tendency to stay on one or two topics and that's about it. And our job is to not only get to the bottom line on the issues, but to talk about the fact that there are so many things happening in the world right now that we could look at through the lens of scripture mm-hmm. and hopefully edify people with in terms of you know going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And so you're kind of our quarterback for that in terms of saying, hey, let's get this former Disney Channel star on. Let's yes. get you know, this musician. Let's get this politician, you know, whoever it is. And we meet some of the most interesting people. And that first contact they have is with you. I'm talk, talking with Tamara Comito. She's our producer, longtime producer of The Bottom Line Show, and today's our 11th anniversary. And so since it's our 11th anniversary, and I realized Tamara hasn't actually been interviewed on the program for this segment, she is our <laughs> guest. How have? How has the program changed since you started producing it? And then maybe the more personal question is, how has the program changed you?
5: Well, the program has changed, at least changed me. I work faster now (laughs) Um, from being in the studio and having to, you know, run the board make sure the breaks are, are evened out, good to go. The music, the bumper, the bumper music and um, making sure the guests call in on time, um, taking the callers for the call-ins for our listeners. Um, It it made my work ethic, uh, I would say a little more um, structured, which is what I needed coming from Fullerton College because that radio station there, it's chaos and it's so mm-hmm. much fun. And coming here, it was a little more laid back, a little more comfortable for me. Um, personally, Cave Bright, the bottom line, has changed me in terms of making my faith a whole lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, before Cave I was I was a wanderer. I was a little confused on my Christian faith. I wasn't sure, you know, who God was. I went to church as a young child, but it was never um it never stayed. We never stayed in church. Uh, we bounced around church to church trying to find our home church. We just couldn't find it. Um but then I just stopped going. And then finding finding you and Kay Bright and the Bottom Line show, it it made me want to pursue God more. And and that's where my journey has kept seven and a half, eight years later, I'm still finding him and it still feels great. And I'm, I'm excited, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I am too. I mean, I'm thrilled. Obviously I get to baptize Melody and can't wait to baptize Delaney if you guys will have me do that. Yes, so. of course. <laughs> of course. Totally fun. But, you know, it, it, it is interesting to see. I know the program's changed me and uh, a lot of people have commented on uh, that time. Uh, many of our bottom line show listeners may not know that I talk a lot about my open heart surgery. But my heart surgery happened six days before Tamara and Javier got married, yeah. and I was supposed to officiate the service. And I remember that day coming into the studio after I met with my doctor and we picked up the time that I was supposed to you know, have the surgery. And they gave me two options, they gave me March 12th or March 19th. And your wedding was the 17th. And I yes. remember coming and telling you that. And you looked at me and said, you have to do it on the 12th. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if I do it on the 12th, I can't do your service. And you said, no, you have to do it on the 12th. And after the surgery was done on the 12th, when the doctor came out and showed my daughter, Emily, the picture of my valve and the aneurysm that looked like it was about to blow. And he said, if we had waited a week, it wouldn't have been necessary to do the surgery. And we all knew what that meant. And so as much as I hated missing your wedding and uh, not being able to officiate. I think my pastor did an okay job filling it. He did <laughs> fantastic. You have
5: done
3: better, but. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you guys, I still have that voicemail on, on my phone from Leland calling with two of you guys in the background and how wonderful I was. I got then, I think I watched Rob's uh, uh, Facebook feed. Yes, Facebook yes. Live of it, which was great. But I realized we wouldn't be here having this conversation today. You know, no. If I had wanted to hold out for your wedding. So sometimes making those, those hard decisions, it's amazing though. I mean, I could hear God speaking through you and through others saying, do it now, get it done, mm-hmm. don't worry about the wedding. And, and, and it's nice to see that kind of spiritual connection. I know for us here on the program, uh, doing it as well. I'm talking with Tamara Camito today here on The Bottom Line. For those who are just listening on audio, we're also on video at myhopenow.com. And we're talking about the 11th anniversary of The Bottom Line Show. And we're also celebrating about seven and almost a half years of Tamara <laughs> producing The Bottom Line Show <laughs> as well. What does the future look like to you, Tamara, as far as the bottom line show goes? Because every day I'm just happy to be awake and, you know, oh, yeah. the, the 20th will be better than the 19th because it's one more day of doing this. But strategically, personally, where do you see God leading you and where do you see God leading this program in the next, say, 11 years?
5: Well, leading me, I want God to keep leading me towards the bottom line, of course. <laughs> um, I have found such a passion with the show and, and hanging out with you every day and, Once again, hanging out with everyone from k Bright because even though I'm not personally there, there's still that connection every day through email, and I enjoy it, absolutely enjoy it. Um, Personally, the bottom line, I think it's going to go, it's going to keep growing. We're going to keep getting listeners. We're going to keep getting fantastic guests. Um, I feel that, like I was previously saying, my faith is going to grow more. Um, I basically get my news from you. (laughs) So I mean, of course, I I want the bottom line to just keep growing and growing. And I never want it to stop. And personally, I don't want to stop working with the bottom line. So I I think every day, like you were saying, tomorrow is going to be better than today. And I can't wait.
3: Yeah,
0: well, we can't either. And I know the program has uh, improved and continue to grow exponentially because of your involvement, and we are so very grateful to God and to you for what you've done. And I want to encourage our Bottom Line Show listeners: if you're hearing this now and you're going, "Oh wait, that's Tam- that's Tamra. Or whatever, <laughs> um, I encourage you to get a hold of the video if you have if you're listening on audio right now at myhopenow.com. But then also drop us a line. Go to the go to thebottomlineshow.com drop Tamara a note and say, hey, congratulations on this anniversary for the show and also for your working here too, because I know how many of you got spoiled talking to her every day when you call in the <laughs> program. And now that she's kind of in more of an executive type of role in the different state and all that kind of stuff, uh, we're, we're still grateful to have her uh, doing what she does for the bottom line show. So Tamara, thank you uh, for me personally, but also from all of our listeners uh, for the fantastic work that you do on the show. And uh, here's to a level seven and a half and 11 more years respectively (laughs) on the pro thanks for doing that
5: thank you roger thank you
0: that was a lot of fun to record earlier today on myhopenow.com and uh, you can see the video if you've ever wanted to meet tamra and see what it's like for that this is one of our weekly meetings you know just kind of get to go and kind of plan out the week and we decided to uh, commit it to uh, memory here today. I wanna to thank a whole bunch of people uh, for making the Bottom Line Show happen these past 11 years. Uh, I'll start with our board operator today, Joel Dominguez and uh, Teresa Kim, who's been answering the phones and handling marketing for us. Uh, Low these many, uh, uh, well, this past year anyway. Uh, and I think about Terrence Cross, who's uh, handling things for us at KLDC in Denver, has been with us as long as we've been on KLDC. And I'm grateful for Shay and and Mike Trium and everybody at KLTT, our other affiliate in Denver, for uh, uh, coming alongside and bringing him with us. Uh, Jim Wells, uh, and I think of John Yazel who handled KCBC before Jim arrived. Uh, they, uh, Jim is the voice you hear every afternoon uh, and every morning too here on KBRT, our flagship affiliate, telling you what programs are coming up next. I know I'm gonna f- forget some other people, but uh, I think of Don Crawford Jr. who's done a great job of kind of steering and guiding us over these past uh, five, six years. And also uh, to Tony Cashman, our sales manager, in Denver, who was our sales manager in San Diego for a while. A lot of the uh, the advertising you hear here on the Bottom Line Show is because of the, the great work that uh, Tony has done. Uh, I want to thank Dennis Wilson, who's become a very personal friend of mine over the years, uh, for liking the show, listening to it, calling the station that fateful day back in 2013 and saying, hey, I'd like to sponsor it, not realizing that we were now, on many occasions, those first couple of years, we were just a couple of ticks away from uh, the management here saying, gosh, I wonder if we want to stay with this another season. And uh, uh, it was uh, Dennis's friendship and uh, patronizing patronage that made this uh, a reality. Also, Jim and Stephanie Cover, uh, who have become wonderful friends as well and who are partners in ministry with us and our new friends at Freeborn that are coming on board and um, people who've helped us as well along uh, throughout the years. Dave Grippenwald, who was our production guy for many, many years, and Sarah Jackson, who had the vision for this program uh, to replace Rich Bueller's uh, uh, talk from the heart program at KBRT. Sarah, thanks for putting the good word in uh, for this uh, guy that no one had ever heard of, Southern California. Uh, also, I would be remiss if I didn't thank Don Crawford Sr. for taking a stick out, uh, you know, sticking his neck out and saying, let's try this program. And 11 years later, here we are, Mr. Crawford. I'm grateful for your friendship, your mentoring, and also for your leadership with Crawford Broadcasting, staying true to Uh, being a station that is biblical, right and true uh, here in Southern California and all throughout the Crawford Broadcasting Network. And also to Todd Stickler, because Todd and I have one thing in common. Uh, Todd and I go back probably 25 years or something like that in our relationship working together, at least 15 or 20. And uh, Todd has been with the Bottom Line Show since day one. Uh, You hear me teasing him on Wednesdays when he runs the board, but he's also chief engineer, chief cook and bottle washer. He's selling programs. He's hawking T-shirts. I mean, he does everything for the station we aren't on the air technically if you don't and especially todd's the voice you hear at the end of the program talking about the opinions being all mine i need to first and foremost well as i continue here to thank my kids for their wonderful support all throughout the years uh from day one my son reminding me the other day he said dad i knew you'd do great with this program because you love to talk about politics and you like to argue with people i'll never forgive him for that and also my lovely wife lisa who uh, talk about iron sharpening iron i love the partnership that we have sweetheart and I, I you are the wind beneath my wings each and every day and and our you she's got followers on this program now people who write in and say i like roger but lisa's really great when is she going to be back on so thank you sweetheart for your support thanks to god for giving us this opportunity to be together each and every day and have these conversations to do analysis balance and then get clarity on the issues that are important and to never lose sight of how grateful we are for the gift of salvation and the command to go into all the world and preach the good news to people who desperately need it. That's the bottom line.